Hello, and welcome to Better Betting. Here are your hosts, the King of Timonium, Gary Quill, and the ruler of the replays, Eric Rubin. Hey, and welcome to Better Betting. My name is Eric Rubin, and this is the Better Betting Breeders' Cup special for Friday, November 5th. GQ, my partner, the King of Timonium, is not here for this episode. He will be back when we record tomorrow to do our Saturday show, but he's still taking that class so he can coach a bunch of high school kids. However, we have a great replacement, someone who's a friend of the show, who's been on before and an awesome resource. He's a West Coast guy. He knows the track. He knows the area. He knows the horses. Very astute handicapper as well. Chris Otto. Chris, welcome back to Better Betting. Feels good to be back, Eric. Um, feels good to be back for the Breeders' Cup, especially it's at my... On one of my favorite tracks here in California, Del Mar. So, yep, I know that you know we give a lot of good information during the the Pacific Classic podcast, but hopefully this time the information leads to some big winners on on the Breeders' Cup weekend card. Absolutely, and the Breeders' Cup is always in your backyard because it seems like it's always, with the exception of an occasional uh, Kentucky, seems like they're always in California now. I'm waiting for it to come back to New York, but probably not happening anytime in the near future. Yeah, I mean, we can't complain. I mean, the weather here, I mean, they're expecting to have 70-degree weather and it's sunny for both Friday and Saturday. So I know that, you know, that everyone that that, that, that will be attending the Breeders' Cup is going to enjoy the, the weather and plus the horses as well. So it should be a fun, and, you know, hopefully, you know, safe trips and a fun and safe um, weekend for the horses and the, and the transit connections of the horses. Yeah, see, I think that the, the New York horses are so much better always that they have to kind of put them at a disadvantage to even the playing field by making them go to the West coast, but that's my East coast bias. So uh, Chris, obviously you've been betting the Breeders' Cup for a while as have I, any advice for uh, listeners in general, before we get into Friday's uh, late pick five. Yeah. You know, the, the one thing that about it, and you know, I was a victim of, of this too, when I first started betting the Breeders' Cup, when, <clears throat> when I just turned 18 was that you look at the cards and you just say, okay, I want to bet every single race. And then you may have before you go before we you know you know before you go into the you know before you open up your ADW or Burr or you know you go to the track, you know you handicap it. You have two or three good spots that you want to attack, and those are your main focus. But then you go in there, you look at the undercard races, you look at other races, and then by the time you get to your races that you like, either a you have a ton of money, or b you have zero money or you have to go or you have to run to your favorite machine which is the atm machine you know to get some money out to bet and you know at the brewers cup there's so many large fields especially in this year on the turf races that you know i would always say just you know play play pick your spots you know doesn't mean you have to play every if they if do doesn't mean you have to play every single pick five no but let's say for example you may like you know, you may, you may, you know, hate the favorite in the juvenile, which is Jack Christopher. Okay. Let's just give that example. Let's say you don't like the favorite Jack Christopher in the Breeders' Cup juvenile. So, but you like one, one or two horses. Okay. So, but you may not like the juvenile turf spread. So you can play a pick four. You can play a pick three. You can play a double. You can play wagers that you can maximize your best opinion. So then that way you don't have to, you know, spend your money unwisely with other races or other wagers. And the great thing about the Beers Cup is if you do that, you can end up finding yourself, okay, 
I can actually, instead of spending 50 cents, I could probably play that for $4 or $5 or $2 because you're maximizing your opinion. So just picking your spot during, uh, during this type of weekend is probably one piece of advice I would give listeners. Yeah, and that's really good advice for any weekend, to be honest, but especially on the Breeders' Cup. You know, the races that you really have an opinion on or strong opinion go a little heavier and the races you don't either sit out or bet very small. So I think that's excellent advice for the Breeders' Cup. And I was mentioning to you earlier that I do like one or two races on Friday, so I might not have any money left for, uh, for Saturday, but I'm definitely going in fairly heavy on Friday. And we'll talk about one or two of those horses coming up on the show. Uh, are you ready? I know we have a lot to do over the next two days. So are you ready to dig into this late pick five? We're ready to dive. We're ready to dive in. Let's go. All right. So it starts on Friday, the Breeders' Cup races with the sixth race at Del Mar. It's the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint, a grade two, five furlongs on the turf. And in this sequence, there's two races that I'm going to go pretty deep in. And there's three races I'm going very short, either singles or too deep at most. And this is one of the two races that I'm going fairly deep in. I do like some horses here, but I do think it's very wide open. So I have a question for you. And then once I ask that question, we can uh, discuss any horse you want. The morning line favorite, and I assume this horse will go off the favorite, is the filly, the eight, Averly Jane. What are, your view, what are your views on Averly Jane? Is this a horse that you're happy to play against? Is this a horse going to get the lead and be tough to catch? How do you view her chances? And then after that, feel free to talk about anyone in this field you like. Yeah, so she's a quality, she's a quality filly. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna deny that. She's also very fast filly. But is she worth is she gonna be worth the is she gonna be worth five to two considering the circumstances that she's gonna be encountering come Friday? And I say circumstances because there is a lot of speed in this race. If you look at her last start, her only start sprinting on the turf, which was the Indian summer back on October 10th at Keeneland. She, she got a relatively easy lead, right? She was, able to make the, she was able to make the lead fairly comfortably without any pressure at all and won by three lengths over her stablemate, Coffee Maker. Well, Friday's going to be a lot different because the horse drawn directly outside of her is one-timer. And one-timer is a very fast filly for Larry Rivelli. I mean, she went the opening quarter in 21 flat, 43.48 in the speakeasy stakes at Santa Anita last time out. So you know off the bat that she's going to be gunning for the front end. And as long, you know, also when you look at it, Twilight Gleaming is also a horse of Wesley Ward that also has some early speed. So from a pace standpoint, Avery Jane will probably encounter conditions that she's yet to encounter so far in four starts. And I think that can make her a very vulnerable boy night favorite in the first Brewers Cup race on Friday. Yeah, and I'm against Averly Jane. I know she can win, and she has sat off the pace, at least in one race or two races, not far off, but a few lengths off the pace, granted, on the dirt. So I'm thinking she can sit, but you mentioned the reason I'm against this horse. I bet that race last time. I actually singled Coffee Maker, so I lost the sequence, but I was only worried. I didn't think it was the strongest field other than Coffee Maker in that race was the main challenger. I was just worried she'd be the lone speed in the race, and she was, and she walked around the track. Now, maybe she's just that good, and she can run even better under pressure or in a, a not as good setup spot, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, now this is a horse that I would play against. Now I'm singling a, a bit of a price later and maybe even a second horse as a price. So I don't know if I want to get beat by Everly Jane. So I have to decide if I want to throw her in, which usually I would not throw in a five to two shot. I don't love, but I know she definitely can win this race. 
Uh, but for the most part, I'll be betting against her. And vertically, I'll definitely be betting against her here. So we know who we're probably leaning against. Chris, who do you like in this spot? Yeah. So, you know, the one thing about this race, it's five throws on turf. And here at Del Mar during the summer meet, there, there, were, there were 40 races run during the, the summer meet at Del Mar. The inside post positions, numbers one, two, and three, it accounted for 23 of those wins, you know, going five rounds on turf. And my top pick is drawn on the outside. So go figure. But, you know, we did mention how I think there's going to be a lot of speed in this race. So I'm going to go for a horse that's going to be closing from off the pace. So number 11, Derry Nain, two starts on a firm to good turf course sprinting. And she's won both of those starts, including her last time out in at Woodbine, where she was able to where she was able to sit towards the rear of the field early, and then she swooped by them, inhaling the entire field, you know, you know, within the last three furlongs of that race under today's runner Joel Rosario. Now, I did mention before the post position is bad. However, there is a ton of speed in this race. You know, we mentioned one timer and Emery Jane that's gonna be testing the pace on the front end, but <coughs> but also um, one Curtis run also has some speed along with some of the Europeans, such as um, such as um, Vertigenis, who's always been on or near the lead in, in her last two or three starts in in Europe. So from off the pace, um, from off the pace, number eleven, Jerry Nate to start the Friday card at Del Mar. All right, and. You make good cases. It's funny because we usually handicap somewhat similar and are often on the same horses, but uh, I'm, I'm not on Dairy Name here and she might get a great setup, but uh, I just thought she had such a good trip last time and good setup and all that. So uh, you definitely could be right. And a lot of people are, are on that horse and I love Rosario and Clement as much as anyone. So it pains me not to want to use that horse. Uh, the horse I like the most is actually a horse who in the pre-entries, I was like, wow, I can go short this race. I really like this horse at a price. And then the, PPs or the entries came out, the post positions, and I'm like, oh, crap. Uh, and that's Run Curtis Run, the 12 horse, right outside Derry Nain. This is a horse who was dueling on the lead. Now he was dueling, or yes, he he was dueling a, a big long shot who faded to the back really badly. Um, but the fact that they were so far ahead of the rest of the field dueling, he ran really, really fast, despite, you know, it says 22 and one, but that was a, a pretty solid duel that he was in. And I upgraded him a lot. That was his first start in the turf. I don't see why he can't get better. Uh, Louis Sai is aggressive. Should get a, you know, I would think a, a, a good trip just sitting off the pace. I think the horse can, but then I saw the post position, I'm like, oh crap. So I'm still using the horse because I do like the horse, but I'm going to spread a little bit. Um, the, the other horses that I'm interested in, I'll talk about them and the, you can finish up on the race. Uh, I bet him last time, so I'm going to stick with him or her, I should say, Coffee Maker, the two horse for uh, Wesley Ward and Jose Ortiz. This is a horse who I really liked his race at Kentucky Downs two back. First of all, it was his first race back from England. Sometimes horses need that. And he ran three wide, chasing a pace that I don't want to say collapsed because they were long shots that collapsed, but 10 to one was up on the pace, faded to six, then a 50 to one faded to the back. But I thought Coffee Maker ran very well, made that. I love horses who make that kind of like early move into a strong pace. And then the fact that he was shortening up. I figured last time he had a good chance, and she did. And I think the only reason why she lost last race, and she had a good trip, don't get me wrong, she saved ground and all, is there was no pace with Averly Jane. I know the time's fast, but Averly Jane just walked around the track. So I think if the setup is what you said, I hope you're right about the pace, it's going to help your Derry Nain. 
but it's also going to help Coffee Maker a lot. Coffee Maker drew a lot better than my other top picks. So Coffee Maker is one of my top picks here. Uh, the other two words I'm interested in are Hierarchy, the five, and One Timer, the nine. I'm going to defer to you, though, and see if you want to talk about them or anyone else. And if you don't mention them, I'll say why I like them before we move on. So, Chris, any other horses here? Um, one timer, the nine. The key with this horse is going to be um, the break because, <clears throat> because Avery Jane has always breaking fast. If you look at the PPs, either one or two right off the break. So, E.T. Baird really has to quarter horse one timer out the gate to at least be no more than too wide going to that first turn. Because if she's right there, she'll be very tough to be coming the stretch. So that the number nine one-timer to me is the speed of the speed. <clears throat> yeah, no, I tend to agree. And, and that's a horse I like because of uh, how she's run. I mean, the last race, she dueled the nine to five favorite in the race who finished about three lengths behind her. So she kind of put that horse away. And five furlongs, three lengths is, is pretty significant uh, to be the favorite like that. So she wasn't even past, like she was never getting past. It might look like, oh, she's blowing, you know, the lead. She was up by two lengths and only three quarters of a length. The horse that was coming time to party was never passing her. And I think the race set up big time for closers. So that's why I don't like time to party. It was a price, I think, anyway. But yeah, I agree with one timer. And my other horse hierarchy, the European, I love watching these European replays. Uh, and, and I feel like I get an advantage over a lot of people who don't put in the time to watch the replays. I could be wrong, but um, going back three races to the race at Salisbury, which is uh, was on the turf. I don't really care about her poly track race uh, two back. She hopped at the start. It doesn't even say that in the PPs, I don't think. So that's something to note. She did hop at the start in that race. Um, and then she was in third on an even pace race. Uh, she was in weaker. It was only her, her second start. So my point is she got off to a bad start. It was against just allowance foes, but I figured she would improve off of that. She ran on the uh, poly track she, or uh, Tapita, whatever it is, the synthetic, and she definitely improved. And then her last race at Newberry was a pretty, pretty good race, I thought. Um, she got off to a slow start, one to two lines, slow start. Now that is an issue with hierarchy. She's had problems with the start, not every race, but uh, two races out of the four. So that is something to worry about. If she can't break, she's done, but she's a price too. So I'm not, it's not like I'm relying on a three to one shot. I need to break. Uh, and you said there's a lot of pace, so she doesn't have to be right on top of it anyway. Um, I just feel that this was an improving. She has a little bit of speed, so she shouldn't be too far back. And I, I, I like watching the replays on her. I upgraded her performances on the turf. So I'm on hierarchy. So for me, I'm uh, 12, but I'm also two, five, and nine. Those are my top four. I might go deeper. I don't want to talk about the whole field, um, but those are my main four in this uh, spot that I'm going to be betting. Do you want to add anything else, Chris, before we move on? No, you know, for me, it's, you know, it's, this feel is almost like if, you know, I don't, you know, we look at the races. So, so we make a, you know, we try to make the best, you know, we try to make the best um, decisions when we, when we, you know, go in the pod. This race was tough. So, <clears throat> you know, the only thing I recommend is do not take a short price in any horse in this field. You know, that's, that's my only recommendation. I mean, I like Darian just because I know that the race flow is going to set up for her, but do not take a short price at all in this field. All right. Well, I hope you're right. Cause three of my top four, uh, 12 to one or higher, uh, on the morning line and hope to get that. All right. We'll move on to race seven and in race seven, it is the breeders cup juvenile Phillies on the dirt, a mile and one sixteenth. And this race kind of has three short priced horses, including one mid favorite. And there's only six in the field and then three long shots. 
I was handicapped in this race and I was in love with the horse. I'm like, this is going to be my single, easy single. I don't like that it's somewhat of a short price. That's the only thing that held me back. But I'm like, I don't care. I'm singling. Then I got to a second horse who I'm going to talk about too. And I'm like, crap, I can't single the first one because I like this one a lot too. <laughs> but I only need two horses here. Uh, not big prize I'm giving out, but I only need two here. I'm curious to see who you like here. So before I share my opinion, if you're ready to go, unless you want me to start, you can uh, just want to make sure you're not choking to death over there. I see no. <laughs> chugging so the water. You're good. All right. Yeah, just another. I'm worried about you. I'm uh, just checking out for you there. Uh, anyway, so what do you see uh, going on in this race? Yeah, so this was the race that I was looking forward. This was the race I was actually looking forward to. Ever since um, Echo Zulu won the Frisette, because <clears throat> I am 100% against Echo Zulu in this race. I think a lot of people remember last year, Jackie's Warrior. <clears throat> Jackie's Warrior won the Champagne Sticks going a flat mile, stretched out to two turns, and then, you know, she, he got beat, you know, as one of the favorites in the Beers Cup Juvenile last year at Keeneland. Echo Zulu looks similar to Jackie's Warrior in that... <clears throat> This horse was able to get away last time out in the Frisette with a very moderate pace, 45 and 4, 110 and 2. The horse that was running second was, was gerrymander, was second throughout. So it was pretty much a merry-go-round race. And the second part about this horse, the reason I don't like her, is that she's got a really sprint-oriented pedigree. You know, her um her half-brother was Echo Town, who won the J, who won the um, the Jerkers last year at seven furlongs, and her dam won the, the grade two Ford gal stakes, you know, as a race, you know, as a racehorse. So I think that she's just more or less a, um, a one turn horse, a sprint horse and not a, a not a model 16th horse or next year as a Kentucky Oaks horse. So my play is against number six, Echo Zulu. All right. And the horse that I really, really like here is the two hitting connection. I know only five to two morning line. And basically it's going to be a, three horse betting race maybe tarabi gets you know played a little bit but for the most part it's gonna be three horses being bet echo zulu the six two hitting connection and the five juniors map hitting connection i was so impressed with the last race uh, i believe she was a private purchase after that colonial down sprint that she ran where she put up a huge figure and one big but i don't even care about that race her last race was a race that set up so much for closers you mentioned now echo zulu had even though the time looked fast or the, the pace looked fast she had a relatively easy lead and the horse that pressed her, you said, held second. And I would downgrade Echo Zulu for the same reason you did. Hitting connection, it was the exact opposite. Every pace horse not only kind of faded, faded badly. Uh, she stalked a nine-to-one shot who faded, came in last. Uh, all the speeds backed up. The pace, even though it doesn't look that hot, maybe, it was a hot pace. I don't really look at times as much as I look at how the race was played out. Was there a duel on the front end, et cetera? So I really loved her uh, race. Her numbers, her like speed figures are almost the same as Echo Zulu. She's probably improving. I actually, her 87 buyer, I upgraded to like a 90 something. Where Echo Zulu, I, her 90, I got like down to upper 80s maybe. So I think Hidden Connections already run better than Echo Zulu. And I have no reason why she's not going to improve more than Echo Zulu who's basically run the same number three times in a row. So I really love Hidden Connection. My problem is Juju's map. I got to Juju's map. I'm like, crap, this horse is pretty good too. Two back, her maiden breaker. I know she won easy, but she had an easy lead. I'm like, eh, whatever. She had an easy lead. You know, a lot of horses could have uh, done what she did with the easy lead, maybe. But maybe she just wasn't pushed. She didn't have to. Her Alcibiades, the grade one at Keeneland, um, that race was uh, extremely impressive because some, same with Hidden Connection. I thought that race set up huge for closers. All the speeds uh, faded. 
uh, I'm looking at my notes. I can't read, but I know all the speeds faded here. And three closers who were mostly long prices came in second, third, and fourth. Yep. She was up on a very fast pace. So I upgraded that performance a lot. So I, I don't know who I like better. And I guess Florent Giroux and Ray Lou Gutierrez, I have a little more confidence in, in Florent Giroux. And I like Ray Lou. He was, I think he actually is a New Yorker, uh, but he rode in New York for a little while and he's a nice jockey. But uh, those two, I, it's hard for me to separate. I'm just using those two. I hope they don't get like embroiled in some kind of speed duel uh, with Echo Zulu and let some closer win. But those are the two I'm betting. And vertically, uh, I'll throw in one or two closers maybe, which I can talk about after uh, after I let you uh, respond or talk about anyone you'd like. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I really like Juju's map in that race. You know, you mentioned before how that race divided where the second, third, and fourth place finishers all, you know, they pretty much rallied from well back off the pace. The horse who set that pace was run up and <clears throat> that horse ended up finishing ninth, you know, towards the rear end of the field. And they went very fast early because the Moss pace figures are way above par, you know, through the first three quarters of a mile. And what I find interesting about that race was the horse who was actually the third choice in, the, on, in that race, Penny Saver, came back in her next start <clears throat> and earned an 84 buyer speed figure winning a non-winners of one race by almost 10 lengths at Churchill Downs to her next start. So that race has already been flattered, you know, by the, by the performance of Penny Saver. And in addition, she also has a lot of good tactical speed because while she was on the lead gate to wire two races back at Ellis Park on September 3rd, she was able to read kindly off the pace and let Florent Giroux, you know, push the button. And, you know, she went about her business in the stretch in the Alcides in the, um, the Baetis. So I, you know, I really like Juju's map in there. The only part that I look at when I looked at Hidden Connection was, <coughs> was the, the format of that race because six horses came back out of their race to finish out of the money and the pace ended up being really soft. So that's why I kind of looked at, you know, I understand that, you know, how the race, you know, cause I looked at fractions and I just said, okay, that race was kind of slower than par for that race, but she is blindly raced. She's only making her third career start. She obviously likes two turns and <clears throat> She's a great alternative to the favorite who we both don't like. So I, I agree with you on number two, Hidden Connection. Well, just to add on Hidden Connection, a couple things there. I'm not usually one who worries about like how horses came out and all that, but the horse he dueled on the front end, or she dueled, I'm calling her, her a he, was Lemieux. Lemieux was nine to one in that race. Hidden Connection dueled Lemieux who finished last. Or no, maybe six he came in. Six, seven out of, uh, out of ten. Lemieux came back to win a stakes race at Gulfstream Park this weekend. So forever, whatever that's worth. And one reason I don't like looking at the horses who came out, like I knew you mentioned a lot of the horses haven't done anything, but those horses to me had great setups. So I wouldn't bet them last time. I would not expect anything of them next time. Plus hitting connection beat them by like 10 lengths. The one yeah. horse who we actually ran against, Lemieux came back to win a stakes race. I don't know if that means anything, but if I look at horses coming out, I'd like to see who are the horses that had comparable trips and run out. And, and I, I'm, I'm not against your Juju's map at all. I think Juju's map is terrific, but uh, that's all I'm doing. Two, five here. Out of the closers, I had a trouble deciding who I would bet out of the three closers. What I'm going to probably do is put Hidden Connection and Juju's map uh, first and second, and then maybe even first and third, and then get closers for like second and fourth or third and fourth for the um, for the super, and just leave Echo Zulu totally out. Yep. Desert Dawn's race, you know more about Desert Dawn being a West Coast uh, guy there. But Desert Dawn, I liked her maiden breaker. I thought she ran really well. She had a very wide trip that day. 
And then she went into the is it the chandelier. Is that the name of the race or Chandler and yeah. Chandler? Um, grade two race. And I was like, eh, she had a really good trip and she really didn't do much there. It did favor speed, so there wasn't much pace. And maybe you can talk to me. Maybe there was like a bias or something I'm missing, but although she mostly saved ground, I, I just I don't know. I guess if the pace is hot and someone's got to suck up. Sequest got a great setup, I thought, last time in that Juju's map race. So I wouldn't like Sequest here. But again, if there's a hot pace, maybe it can suck up. And I know Tarabi had some trouble last race in the gate. Um, she uh, hit her nose or whatever on the gate and was all scratched up, hasn't raced since. But I, I don't know. I don't think those closers rate much of a chance unless there's an insane three-way duel. Because even there is a big duel with the Echo Zulu and, and one of the other two hitting connection on Juju's map. The other one will win out of those two. So... I'm yeah. just 2-5 here, and that's pretty much it in the uh, horizontals. Any, yeah, anything I mean, you want to add? Go ahead. Yeah, with Desert Dawn, you know, she ran against a day where the first three days of that um, setting and meet were all favoring inside speed. So Desert Dawn, while, while she was down on the rail for the most part of the trip, no more than probably one or two paths, mm-hmm. she was trying to rally against the bias where Ain't Easy was able to make an, was able to make a relatively um, – <clears throat> she moved – she kind of moved it to a slow pace ain't easy and so desert dawn was trying to just catch her stablemate throughout so of the closers desert's dawn is probably the horse i will probably use as a trifecta horse i don't like sequest because sequest was the one that you mentioned before just picked the pieces behind those two fast paces in her last two starts so <clears throat> kind of against her and then tarabi you know from a trip standpoint she looks like she'll trip out but you know she still has it you know she did have that setback, which forced her to miss some prep, like either Alcibiades or the um, the Frisette. And I think that, you know, missing that type of prep race is going to cost her. Now, maybe she may be talented enough to do it, but against this field where Juju's map hit a connection have all run between mid to, you know, mid to high 80 buyer speed figures, I think she'll have to improve more just to compete against those three horses. So I'm kind of, so I'm also against Tarabli in this field. All right. So we kind of agree on, uh, on that race. Well, you prefer Juju's uh, map and I prefer hitting connection, but I like both of them. So I'm not, you know, I'm not against that horse at all. Uh, I guess we can move on to race eight, the third leg of the pick five and the third of the Breeders' Cup races. It is the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Philly Turf Race, a grade one going one mile on the turf. And this is a race we've talked about Um <laughs> I have an extremely strong opinion, and my Friday is going to be based on a horse in this race, and I love it. I don't just go short when everyone's spreading on purpose. Like, it's good to go against the grain when you're betting, but if you don't have an opinion, I don't want to just guess on a horse because, oh, everyone's spreading. I'm just going to guess on one horse here, but when I like a horse in a race where I think everyone's spreading, I get even more excited. The post position was not what I want to see, but I'm not going to let that sway me, uh, and, and I'm all over a horse here. It's going to be my single. My only issue is I do like a lot of horses here. I wish that I didn't like the others and I love the horse I like, but I'm in such love with this horse that I'm going to talk about in a moment that I'm singling, but you have a horse here that you really like. Uh, I don't know. Love is the right word, but you seem to be very high in horse here as well. And it's a different horse, one that I'm not against, but I don't love. And I don't think you really love mine, but maybe you do. Uh, so go ahead, Chris, who's your single that's going to come in at best second in this race? Cause my horse is winning. <laughs> <laughs> so, I absolutely love number two Cairo Memories, who's going to be tw- who's twelve to one the morning line. I'll probably go off just around that type of price come Friday, and this is because of her debut effort. You know, I was at Del Mar the day that she ran 
when she ran September 5th and she won. You know, she in fact, in fact, her final time was a full second slower than the stakes race won by Liam's Dove later in the card. But it was how she did it. She broke slowly. She found she she broke slowly leaving the gate. Then she was able to maneuver her way through traffic during the first you know quarter of a mile while running wide throughout. Then Kenta Soma made that move around the far turn. She opened up quickly, you know, entering the stretch and won by four and a half lengths. But <coughs> But what you don't see was the gallop out. This filly galloped out all the way to the half mile pole at you know, you know, to the turf course, and she never took a deep breath. That was the part that was so impressive that I just said, you know what, I'm gonna bet her back when when um when Bob has puts her in a stakes race. And sure enough, October 3rd, she went off at four to one. Huh. And I didn't make a killing in that race at four to one because she just was sensational. You know, she she saved ground, can ease her out to the three path, chase that fast, chase that fast pace and earn record time from US pace figures, made the exact same move that she did in her debut and one going away. Today, she's drawn inside, which is exactly what I want. And you know, the good thing about her is that being drawn inside will allow Kent to serve plenty of options. She can he can see what's going on outside. If you want to go to the front, Ken will gladly do that. If someone else decides to go, like, like for example, if if um Turner Loose and Bubble Rock decide to go to the front end, then Ken will save ground in third, right behind that, right behind those um, leading duel. I don't think this is a strong field of two-year-old Phillies. So, <clears throat> so that's why I'm I am. Um, I'm going with um, I'm going back to the well again with number two, Kyra Memories from the inside with my man Kent the Sermo in the irons. All right, Chris made a very good point, and I feel bad because you know he's got good logic and all, but at best he's going to get second because the thirteen Mizzen Sand is going to win this race. Um, I love this horse. I was telling you, Chris, before <laughs> to me when I watched this horse's last two replays, it brought me back to last year. I loved Tarnawa last year who won. I know this is a two-year-old Tarnawa was three or four, whatever she was. Um, I, I'm just in love with this horse. Uh, two back at Goodwood ran seven furlongs in a group three event. And for the most part, had a very good trip. She saved ground like third or fourth, just behind the spe speeds. As they were in the stretch, she was kind of like behind the speed. It's like, all right, when are you going to get out? You got to get out at some point. And the, the jockey, uh, Peslier, if that's how you say it, he kind of had to go, it wasn't really a lot of trouble, don't get me wrong, but he had to like wait a little, let the speeds go a little more and then go kind of behind them and go around. Again, it didn't mess him up too much, but it lost slight momentum. This horse was probably about three lengths back with about five seconds to run and made up those three lengths. And if they went another like, I don't know, eighth of a mile would have been up by 10 lengths, I think. So I was very impressed with that race. And I'm like, all right, let me watch your next race, which is her last race, the one at Shanti on October 9th. Um, not, I'm sorry. Uh, New Market. I looked at the wrong horse for a second. And New Market on October 8th in the Group 1 Bet 365 Phillies Mile. And we talked about how Inspiral, if that's how you say it, I'm probably butchering the name, is just winning every race. She won like three, four, five in a row, whatever it is. She's a monster. So regardless of that, this horse had such trouble and came on so fast at the end. Again, the, the closing kick of this horse is so impressive. Uh, first of all, she was checked mid-race which i don't know if it even says it in there but she got checked mid-race a little bit and then she was tight for a while for i don't know for a long for a long and a half she was like in tight had no room 
for a long time, even in the stretch. And then when she got free, she just exploded. Uh, she was she came in fourth, but she was second about four steps after the wire. She was already in second. And if she didn't have that trouble, I think she blows by the winner too. And this horse I love so much. Uh, I don't usually feel that way about a horse. I've heard some podcasts. I've heard a lot of people picking things. No one's really talking about it, which I love. Doesn't mean I'm going to get a good price. I think the fact that she's on the outside might hurt a little, but it's going to help the price because a lot of people are outside. Either they, by the time they get to the 13, they found the horse they like already. So they kind of, especially <laughs> European, they're kind of like, eh, that's all right. I already have someone I like. So they don't give them the time. They, or like, ah, outside. I don't want to bet that horse. So would I like to be inside more? Sure. But there's a decent run up to the turn. They go at least, what, one furlong and a little more into the turn. So got yeah. about 15 seconds or so to get over. Uh, hopefully for um, Austin Murphy, I might be butchering his first name, but hopefully he has enough time to get over. This is, I mean, there's no way I'm not singling this horse unless, I don't know, something happens. If this horse gets scratched, my whole Friday is going to be destroyed. <laughs> and if the horse doesn't run first, my day is going to be destroyed too. But I'm all over mizzen scene. This is by far my best bet if it matters in the Breeders' Cup. So I will uh, be spending a lot more money than I should on mizzen Sen. Uh, in every kind of bet you can imagine. So uh, there are others we can talk about here because we spent 10 minutes talking only about two horses, but we both feel pretty strongly about our horses. Uh, Chris, you want to talk about anyone else? I'll, I'll mention a few after if you don't, but go ahead, anyone else? Yeah, you know, let's talk about the pace because I mentioned before that I think Turner Loose and Bubble Rock are going to be part of those, um, the early pace. And mention number four, Turner Loose, because in that race in the Jessamine Stakes back at Keeneland October 13th, this race really developed for closers because she finished her being, being a neck, but the first, second, fourth, and fifth place finishers all rallied from 12, 6, 9, and 10. So she was the only horse that was up or on or near the lead that survived that type of pace. And I think in this race here, there's really not a whole lot of like one dimension of front running speed because her stablemate Bubble Rock here is also trained by Brad Cox, written by Iran Ortiz. And she comes off a sprint race. So I don't think you're going to see, you know, the two horses, you know, the, the two stablemates are going to be head and head into a 22 and 45 speed duel. I can really see one of the two horses, you know, being able to dictate the pace on the front end. And I think number four, Turner Loose will actually be that horse, you know, that can probably set the pace going to the first turn in the Juno Phillies turf. So <clears throat> That's who I, that's why I would consider as part like a, if you're looking at part like a second or third contender in this race, number four, Turner Lewis is, will be one that horse strictly based upon A, she survived a, uh, a contested speed duel last time out and B, she figures to get a much softer trip on the front end um, on Friday. Yeah. And, and I like the four also, I, I'm not against four for reasons you said, I actually like bubble rock the five a little better. Um, I really thought she ran pretty well last race. Uh, she had a wide trip. It wasn't like an amazing race, but she had a wide trip. I think she's definitely improving where Turner Loose, I'm sure, is improving. But to me, Turner Loose ran two of the same races. And they were both good. They're, I would upgrade both races a little bit uh, that she ran based on trip. And you mentioned about like a decent pace and all that time. Uh, but to me, Bubble Rock is improving a little more, perhaps. Even though Speed Figures, it doesn't look it. I downgraded Bubble Rock two back a lot in her maiden win. I just thought she had a great trip. And last race, I upgraded the wide trip. So, I wouldn't be against either of those horses. Uh, a couple others that I wanted to mention here, the uh, six horse, Hello You. This was probably my second pick if I had a second pick. Uh, she ran against Miss Insen, um when Miss Insen won uh, two back. 
so they ran against each other and I mean, Mrs. M beat her. I don't know if that necessarily means anything, uh, but I thought she ran pretty well. She was squeezed late in that race. This is two back at Goodwood. Uh, and she lost a little momentum. And then after that, she kind of bumped a horse into the rail and it slowed her down slightly. So it wasn't like tremendous trouble, but she definitely lost a little momentum. So I liked her race two back and I upgraded that. Uh, and then her last race, I thought was a, a pretty good trip. She was behind two speeds and the speeds kind of held. So I thought she had a really good trip at Newmarket. This is a six Hello U last out, but she was pulling away from those horses late and, and impressively. So I think Hello You would probably be my second pick if I had to pick a second horse here. And the other two, I just want to mention quickly, um, the nine Koala Princess. Uh, this is my boy, Joel, who I'm against in many of the other races. But uh, in this race, I do like Koala Princess. Uh, I thought her first race was very impressive. Uh, she was stalked by six to one who ended up fading. Uh, so she put that horse away and she opened up on that field. No, it was only a maiden field, but I thought she ran really well. Uh, I liked her going into her next race at uh, Kentucky Downs. And she did save ground, but speeds did really well in that race. And for her to close like that and blow that field away, that was a decent field. I'm a poppy flower fan. I thought she ran really well. So the nine horse and the other horse I just want to mention is the 12 Malavath, if I'm pronouncing it right. This is another one I slept from Europe. I slightly upgraded her last race, uh, the grade two race from Shanti. Um, she has one, two in a row for what that's worth. I don't know if it means anything. She had a good trip last time, but she too, I love to see the finish. It's funny. You talk, Chris, about like the gallop out. I'm not the hugest gallop out guy, but I like to see how they run like five, 10 steps after the wire. Are they blowing by a horse? Because then they're still like moving. To me on the gallop out, like, yeah, a horse can impress you like the two horse here. Totally understand that. But to me, like some horses, the jockeys gear them down quickly. Some they want to push for whatever reason. Um, but like you can see a couple feet after the wire, five, 10, 15 strides at the wire at most. And that's even pushing it. Was a horse going by? Was a horse pulling away? And this horse was pulling away on that field. So, um, I, I like the 12 Malavath uh, also, uh, but I'm, I'm just all over the 13 Mizzen So those horses will be used for me. The five, six, nine, 12 will be the predominant ones. It's five, six, nine, 12 under the 13. And I might move the 13 on the probably unlikely occasion that she doesn't win and comes in second. I'll move her to, uh, uh, to second, maybe in some of those uh, exactas and triples I'm betting with those other four. Chris, do you want to add anything? And, and I'm being somewhat facetious. I'm not that cocky uh, <laughs> or arrogant no. in the race, but I really love the horse, so I'm, I'm excited to bet her. You know, you know what's amazing? We spent, and we never talked about the two Chad Brown entries. Yeah, true. <laughs> so I'll like talk it? about them. I'll talk Go about ahead. them. So let's look, look at number seven, Consumer Spending, who, who is written by the hottest rider right now is Favian Pratt. But, you know, the one thing about this horse last time on the Salima Stakes at Laurel, this horse had an absolute perfect trip and setup. You know, there was a head and head speed duel that featured red coated um, time from US pace figures. This horse sat on the rail every single step, didn't ease out until they hit the top, until they hit about the top of the stretch. And then she just overwhelmed her outclassed, you know, her rivals to win by two and a half lengths. You know, and I mentioned before, you know, there's, we, we don't see, I don't see where there's gonna be that similar type of highly contested pace scenario in this race. So I think that will work against the seven consumer spending, you know, from a from a pace and trip standpoint. And then the other horse trained by Chad Brown is the number 11, Hottie, written by Tyler Gaffrione. So Hottie really crossed the wire first in two starts, but she got DQ, but she got DQ'd in, in her in her debut. So she came back back on October 17th at Keeneland and really won a very, you know, had a perfect trip sitting just off a slow pace and then winning going away. 
you know, as a 30 cent to one favorite, but you know, that type of trip, she's not going to get today because now she's parked toward the outside. So she's she either, she comes from behind and she rallies or she has to be forced into pressing, you know, those two horses that we mentioned of Brad Cox and, you know, trying to mention it in the clear while, you know, while park wide and, you know, while park two or three wide going to the first turn. So that's why I think that, you know, this year's edition of the Juno Phillies turf, you know, you notice, <coughs> you know, Chad Brown doesn't have, you know, that strong of a contingent. And I don't believe Aiden O'Brien even has a horse entered in this year's edition. So, you know, it, it makes sense to go for someone quite different just because, you know, the, the big names didn't bring their best gun, their best um, trainees for this year's um, edition of the race. I think Aiden O'Brien saw Mizzen's in the race and goes, I'm not wasting money on this for my horses because we have no shot against that, that Philly. Um, yeah, no, you know what? I mean, listen, Chad Brown has had a great year for anyone not named Chad Brown and for him even. He's had a good year, but it's not his typical year. Like Saratoga, he was kind of cold for a lot. I mean, he's still winning 15% and we're calling it cold, but it wasn't the typical Brown year. And I think we're seeing that maybe in some of these races, not all of them, but in some of them where, you know, I'm leaving him off the ticket for the most part in many races on the turf where normally I would want him. And like on, on the counter, a lot of people are talking about Christophe Clement, 0 for 40 something in the Breeders' Cup. But this guy is training. I mean, I'm sure he's training the same as he's always trained, but his horses are running better than they ever run before. Uh, I know he's an older guy, been around a while, but I mean, he's just been a monster the last year or two. So I, I wouldn't worry about that Clement stat. And, and maybe there's a reason why Chad Brown did not have, and again, I know he's had a great year. Don't get me wrong, but. To me, like every time I'm like, eh, you know, usually does a little better. But um, anyway, in that race, I don't love the Chad Browns. I do like Hardy a lot better than consumer spending, but I'm not a huge fan of either horse. All right, are we good to move on? Yep, we're good to move on. All right, race nine, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. We actually have a dirt race with more than six horses, which is nice to see. Uh, I love that. Here is another race where I'm going to go short. So I was like, I'm very deep in the first leg, that turf sprint. Um, I'm going to go too deep in that uh, race with Juju's map and hidden connection. I'm singling Miz and Sand, so I'm two and one deep in the last race. And this is another race I'm going to be pretty short in. I just have to decide how much I want to invest in this thing. The, the chalk is Jack Christopher, so he's the horse we have to talk about, I'm sure. And here's Chad Brown, who um, comes up in the dirt in a good spot here. This horse has been very, very impressive. He's had a lot of buzz. Like going into the last race, that champagne was pretty solid field. Uh, he had Wit, who was a 90-something buyer horse, who, yeah, has trouble getting out of the gate, but and, and maybe just kind of plateaued and, you know, was his best first out and just hasn't improved. And that's definitely possible, but still a good horse. Uh, you had, um, oh, who's the horse who came in second the other day last week? Because I didn't like him on the podcast with Craig Milkowski. I did a show. He liked oh, my him. Prankster. My prankster. Thank you. Came in second. Who's a good horse? But he lost. I forgot who, um, who he lost. But he lost to a good horse. So it was a solid field. Like and, I told him. There you go, Nakatomi, who uh, was one of the two I liked, although I like the other one better, Freelancer, but that's another story. So um, I just think Jack Christopher is a very good horse. It's hard for me to totally bet against him. Yeah, he's got to go a little further than he's used to. Uh, he can save ground. I think Jack Christopher will be tough here. And I actually like the other horse out of that race, Command Performance. Last race when they ran against each other, I, I actually like Command Performance at a price. Uh, he was like a key for me. I didn't love him. I didn't think he was really even going to win the race, but in my betting, that was like a key. I keyed him second, third. I might've hit some, I honestly don't remember if I hit anything. I probably did not much because I used Jack Christopher. I used wit with command performance and I was against my prankster. Cause I thought my prankster had a perfect trip in his first start. And I thought he had a very good trip there too. That's why I didn't like him last week. But anyway, uh, command performance was slowly gaining at the end. If that means anything, 
Uh, I, I think the Hor- the reason I like him too is he improved a lot from his first start to his second. Like going into his last race, man performance, the champagne, everyone else had like 90 something buyers and he had like 85. And in fact, I honestly think that he had a lower buyer and they upgraded it since then. I could have sworn his buyer and his maiden win command performance was like a 78 or something like that. If anyone out there knows that and you want to like tweet at me or something, let me know. Uh, I didn't save PPs. I actually could go to my emails and probably find it. But anyway, um, I just thought this horse improved a lot last time. And with one more step up, could do even better here. And I think that's the only real horse that has a chance to beat Jack Christopher. I know people might think I'm crazy with Cornish and, and some others in the race, but uh, I'm really 110 here. If I want to get cute because I really like Miz and Sen and I don't want to miss a pick five with Miz and Sen winning, I might add a couple of long shots that I'll talk about, uh, especially if the pace heats up a couple of closers. But uh, I'll, I'll let you talk because I think we agree about the 12 horse Corniche. Um, and I don't know if we agree on other parts of the race, but we definitely agree on that horse. So, Chris, what do you want to talk about the 12 Corniche or, or anyone else? Go for it. Yeah, so I want to talk about the American Pharaoh because, you know, that race had, you know, did feature coordination. She won by three and a quarter lengths over Papa Cap and, and Oviat class. And, you know, what I think I'll mention about that that race was that, you know, as I mentioned before, with, you know, the first three days of the setting to meet were all inside speed dominated. I mean, if you weren't on the lead or if you weren't on the lead near, near the rail, you weren't winning. Well, Corniche <clears throat> had the rail was able to make a very comfortable pace, 47.26. And then she just won by three and a quarter lengths. I think because of the bias, now today she's, you know, because of the bias and the soft pace, that's what helped her out. And, you know, that's what helped him out back, you know, to win the American Pharaoh. Then now today goes from post one all the way to post 12. So, and now you're going to have inside speed, which ironically enough, it's actually going to be some of the Baffert, you know, entries. Like if you look at Pinehurst, who won the Delmar Futurity, you know, going gate to wire. You have Barbosa, who was also pressing the pace in that race, you know, when he broke the maiden. Those are the two horses from Bob Baffert's barn that can actually have some speed, you know, you know, you know, to go up and set this race up for any horse coming from off the pace. So, but of the of the horses coming out of the American Feral. There are two, the, the horse that bend behind him are the ones I'm going to upgrade. So Papa Cap was, was three wide on that inside speed family racetrack, you know, when she ran third, when she ran second behind Corniche. So I'll give that horse the big upgrade. But the one horse that I, is my second pick, because I do agree with you on Jack Christopher and, and the other, in the top pleasure horse, is going to be Oviat Class. So Oviat class has the advantage of already having a win around two turns here at Del Mar when she broke her, when he broke his minute back on August 27th. Was it a pace collapse? Absolutely. But that was a very quality maiden field because five horses behind Oviat class all came back to win, including Barbosa, who won the next start at Santa Anita. And then last time out, the American Feral, I think Kent really just really wanted to give this horse a good experience. So they just gave this horse, you know, he lagged far, far back and then was able to just make a nice run to get up a third and was able to gallop out well after the wire. If the pace heats up today, then I really think that over the class, you know, the buyers don't speak, they don't, don't say anything, but it's all going to be paid. It's, to me, this horse is all be depending upon pace. If this horse can get the speed that to run at in, you know, in the juvenile, then you can see over your class definitely, you know, fish in the top three. So over your class to me is my is my long shot to hit the board. 
And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned something about speed figures. One of the things like with these two-year-olds, I know you know this and a lot of people out there know this, but they're improving and growing at such leaps and bounds, some of them, that this is a race where if a horse is like runs 25 buyer speed figures slower than another horse, they can probably, you know, make up a lot of that ground uh, just through maturity. So I wouldn't worry about that. If you're talking about like the Breeders' Cup mile where the horses have run 25 times, if you have veterans and one horse is running an 85 to 90 every time, another one's running 120 raids in a row, that's going to be hard to make up. But uh, in, in this case, they can definitely step up. And I'm kind of glad you're on the show with me because you kind of talked me. Those are the two horses I would add, Oviate Class at three and Papa Cap, the, uh, the four. I'm surprised they let the four name go, the Jockey Club, Papa Cap, but – <laughs> anyway, you know, they always think, are you a, a Sublime fan? M- music, yeah. Sublime? Palm Beach, you know, yeah. Santeria, right? Yeah. Papa Cap and Sancho and I slap her down. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I can say that on the air. It's not me saying yeah. it. I'm quoting uh, Bradley Thomas there, but um, that's what I think of when I think of this horse. So if the four wins and I have her and I'm uh, him and I'm obviously alive from Mizzen of course, uh, I'll be playing a little Sublime to celebrate. <laughs> but yeah, no, you mentioned why the three and the four. I like them both here. I just didn't know if the top two were that much better than them, but um, you gave me some reason to, to want to include them. And that, so I'm probably going to add a three and four and definitely vertically. There was no question I was betting them vertically and I'm totally leaving out Corniche and I hope Corniche takes money. I don't know if the horse will. The Baffert horse I like the most, that I don't know if I would use, it would be my fifth horse, maybe in some vertical somewhere, is Barossa. I actually like that horse better than the others. You kind of indirectly mentioned it when you were talking about Ovi in class, but two-back Barossa was up on a, a pretty strong pace, kind of made an early move. And I upgraded that race a lot. Next race, broke maiden easily. I mean, had a nice trip and all, but still ran pretty well. Uh, could improve. So out of the Bafferts, I would take Barossa the most. I, I would bet that horse the most. I downgraded Pinehurst last effort for the easy lead and stuff and, and Corniche, uh, similar reasons. So I am Jack, nothing crazy, but Jack Christopher, the one command performance to 10. I'll probably add the three Oviate class. At 20 to 1 and the four pop a cap at 15 to 1. It sounds like we're fairly similar on this race. Yeah. Is there anyone else you want to mention before we go on? Well, the one thing about commanded performance when, when I looked at the race here was that, you know, the career best buyer that this horse was 97. And <clears throat> when you look at the previous ones of the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, four of the last six editions of, you know, that 97 buyer would have won four of the last six editions of the BC Juvenile. So, Command performance, even though a maiden has already run fast enough to actually win a race such as this. So if you're looking like for me, if, if you're looking to thin, you know, the ticket down, then, you know, you can pretty much use the horses that ran one, two in the grade one champagne as your main top two, in, you know, in the juvenile, because, you know, they've already run fast enough to win, you know, this juvenile. And then you can pretty much, you know, we, we both throw out Corniche, you know, given the reasons we provide. So, I made it one, I made it um, Jack Christopher, Oviate class and commander performance in the juvenile. All right. So we're, we're very, uh, very similar. They had some timing issues on that race. They upgraded the buyer for Jack Christopher command performance at uh, champagne. So I don't even know if I buy these speed figures, whether it's buyer or anyone else. Uh, I don't know if I really kind of buy them and believe in them uh, for this race or those horses, but regardless of that, uh, I thought that was a very, very tough field going in. So uh, definitely like those two. All right, we'll wrap it up with race 10 on Friday. Uh, it's the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. So now we got the boys. We did the girls. They're going a mile also on the turf, the boys. And this is the second race I'm going to spread in this sequence a lot. The first leg. So I'm kind of spreading in the bookends here. I could roll short here. I, I take notes. Like when I handicap a race, I see who I like. And, you know, I try and figure out what the value is going to be. 
And in this race, I wrote, could roll with my top two or top three if I need to, but I prefer to go deeper. So I'd like to talk about my top two or three, but I went first last time. So Chris, I will defer to you and uh, see who you want to talk about here. I am all about Team Godolphin in this race. So I'm going to go um, the one modern games, the two up and are. But of the two horses, I'm going to I'm going to slightly lean on Albahar because of the visual impression I saw from from his last from her, um, his last race. So, <clears throat> you know, when you look at it, he broke visually. It was, it was very impressive because he broke dead last leaving the gate. Then Frankie Vittori was able to just settle. And then this horse moved up between horses on the back stretch, weave his way through traffic around the far turn, eased out to the four path coming to the top of the stretch, and then ran the last quarter of a mile in, in, in like 23 and one-fifth seconds, the last, the, the last um, quarter of a mile. So it was very impressive from Albahar to win that race. And, <coughs> excuse me, yeah, 23.1. 23.33 seconds the last quarter. And so drawn inside with Frankie Vittori back in the irons, who's two for two with this horse, I can't leave out, you know, the other Godolphin horse, Albahar. And then number one, Modern Games, who comes in this race three for three on firm, on firm going. I mean, <coughs> sorry for the cough. Just trying We're to gonna get you some Ricola. Get oh some, yeah, uh, shipped out to you. <laughs> yeah, I'll get the recall afterwards. Right. But you know that you know the 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 race last time out in the Somerville Stakes that was a loaded field. You know the runner-up last time out was second in the group in the Group One Primorne. The third place finisher was set was a two-time listed stakes winner and a handicap winner. The fourth place finisher came back and ran second in the Group Three Horace Hill Stakes. So Modern Games ran in a in a field that was you could probably say is almost a group one or group two quality. And she won that and he won that race very impressively on firm ground that he's going to probably get he that he will get on Friday, you know, on, on Beers Cup Friday, you know, William Buick, the Barnes, one of the Barnes um, stable guys is, is back aboard, draws the route, doesn't need the lead, kind of can sit behind the pace or, or, you know, go for the lead. So I'm, I'm all about team Godolphin in this race one and two. All right, and I am not about Team Godolphin this race, so we disagree. <laughs> I'm not against, listen, I'm not against those horses. If I go fairly deep, like like the two Albar is probably my fourth or fifth choice in this race. Uh, modern Games would probably be my like eighth choice in this race. I'd have to go pretty deep, ninth choice to use Modern Games. The only, and listen, you make good points. The only reason I'm against them, and I know they can win. First, Modern Games, I'm, I'm definitely against. This is a horse I thought who had a very easy lead in the race where speed held, there was no pace, and um, yeah, and maybe the horses were good and all, but he had such an advantage, I felt, in that race. So, again, he can win. These horses are improving, and I could be wrong about what I saw, uh, but I just downgraded that last effort a lot. And Newmarket, despite the, the field, doesn't make me happy that you're saying it was a strong field for the level, but uh, I downgraded that. And then Albar, yes, he ran very well last time, but look who he beat, Grafton Street. I'm not trying to knock Grafton Street. Maybe this horse can you know step up. Some people like the horse, but this is a horse who is coming off a – Look at Grafton Street going into the summer, the green, green one. This is a horse who was a maiden coming off a 32 buyer in his first race, going on the dirt, but a horse who had run a 32 buyer was second in that race, right? Came in second. Who the heck is Albar beating? Yeah, he had the trouble at the start. He was visually impressive. But I'll tell you what, if I run against a bunch of kindergartners and I you know, get off to a bad start, I will blow by those kindergartners at the end also. So I'm not against Albar. If the speed figure is legitimate, then the horse is decent. 
But to me, there are other horses that I like better. Unless I'm very well could be wrong and you could be right. Um, but I, I'm more against those horses than in favor of them. The two horses I like the most here, uh, one's an American and one's a foreigner. So I'll start with the, uh, the American here. And that is Slipstream. And I, I try and put my passion or like heart away when I'm betting. This is a horse who I single last time. He was like six to one in the morning line, ended up going off two to one. I love this horse's race, September 18th, two back. I know it was just a maiden race, but he dueled the three to five shot, big favorite, and totally put that horse away. That horse finished about eight lengths behind uh, Slipstream. I love that race. I was so eager to bet him back. Comes back in the futurity. I'm like single, easy, boom. And the horse does win. Now, the horse seemingly you know, had a good, tri- uh, good setup because spe- uh, closers did well in that race. Um, in fact, I, the, the runner up in that run Curtis run, I think I talked about before I like because run Curtis run was up on that strong pace. This horse saved ground slipstream, had a good setup, but was very rank early was checked on the back stretch. And then I just think this horse could have won by 10 lengths if he needed to. Uh, I just think he was so much better than that field that despite the good setup, maybe the trouble offsets the good setup. So it's better for him. I just think the sky's the limit for this horse. And I'm a big fan of slipstream. I'm not worried about the distance, uh, the breeding to me. I'm not a breeding expert, but more than ready to me can run a mile. I don't think it's a big deal. And um, Clement, I said, I don't care about the, uh, the Breeders' Cup record. There's a trainer who's doing better than he's ever done. He's had an excellent career. Uh, you got the best jockey in the world on him, Joel Rosario. So I really like slipstream. And the other horse I really like out of the Europeans, uh, my next two picks would be Europeans. I'll just talk about the one I like the most, and I'll mention the other if you don't. Uh, don't ask me how to pronounce this name. I'm going to blow it. Uh, the eight horse, Glounthon, Glounthon, something like that, Glounthon, whatever. I don't have to pronounce it. He's just got to win for me. Uh, there's a horse 12 to 1 morning line for Ryan Moore. Aiden O'Brien, you mentioned his name before. He's here. Now, this is his third race in four weeks, which is kind of weird. That's the thing that worried me a little. But when Aiden O'Brien run this horse, if he didn't think the horse had a chance or a good chance in here, would you put him back third race in four weeks? I don't know. I don't know the answer. I'm not going to let that affect my betting. But there's a horse who's two back race at New Market. I upgraded uh, big time. First of all, it does say stumble at the start. Had a really bad stumble at the start. Uh, probably lost about two lengths. But it was like really bad. Like went down. I mean, not that his head hit the ground, but it was it was a significant stumble. Had to mess with him more than just the two lengths that he lost. And then he lacked room for much of the race. He lost momentum during the race. He had tremendous trouble in that race. And he came in six, but he only lost by about six lengths with huge amounts of trouble. That was a huge upgrade to me. Last race, he came from mid-pack, finished well, um, and he was only on one week's rest. Now, I'm kind of, I was kind of disappointed with the time form rating because it did not improve, and that's the only reason I don't love this horse. So I'm like, all right, he should have improved a lot more last race based on what happened two back. Maybe the one-week rest was a little short to expect a, a huge improvement in one week. Now, granted, it's only, what, three weeks from that race, but in O'Brien, I got to think the horse can improve off of that race. So I, I definitely like Glountown, the eight horse. So my top two picks are definitely uh, two 12 to one shots, the five slipstream, the eight Glountown. But like I said, I'm going deep here. I think a lot of horses can win. Uh, Chris, your reaction to that or any other horses that you want to talk about? I just want to mention one more before we wrap up. If you do not. No, I agree with you on, on, on um, Glountown. I think this horse is, is, is tough, you know, for Ada Bryant to do this, you know, the third race in pretty much four weeks, that tells you that this horse, this horse, you know, to can handle the racing and that race, two races back, <clears throat> you mentioned it. I mean, the trouble was legitimate. I mean, Dubai election, 
the Bobby Legend pretty much didn't have, pretty much had a clear trip, while Gladstone never had a chance at all. And then, you know, last time out, you know, you know, completely, you know, won the group stakes, but we know that this horse wants, wants to go longer than seven eighths of a mile. So I, yeah, of the Europeans, that's the, you know, that's, that's the other one that I, I also like. Um, some of the horses that come here locally, you know, North America, um, like the, Europe, the, the, the Southern California based McKellen, I, you know, I think that, you know, while he is in sharp form, having won his last, having won his two starts here at, you know, at Del Mar, that Del Mar juvenile turf, that listed stakes, the horse who was second in that race, 34 coupe is still a maiden. So I, I would not, you know, I would not, you know, and then he also ran again in the Zumo beach and he, I think he finished off the board. So that, that's a questionable group I like to say about, you know, McKinnon who runs for, you know, he's the son of American Pharaoh. So I'm kind of against a local horse in this race. And then the, um, the horse coming out, the, the bourbon sticks, tis, tis it a bomb, stone and base and credibility. Um, that to me looked like more of a, of a fast paced collapse because every single horse in that race, including tis a, tis a bomb, all rallied from off the pace. And it was just one of those things where the, the, the race flow kind of flattered their, the first, through third place finisher. So I'm kind of against the horse coming out of the, um, the bourbon stakes. And then I believe there's another horse in here that Chad has portfolio company. So portfolio company was really aided by, you know, there was no pace at all in the pilgrim and then they ran second, but then two races back on coinage. And then he couldn't, and then he got really ranked. So of the local horses outside, you know, the ones that are based here in North America, the one that interested me the most is number three, Dakota Gold. So Dakota Gold last time out, I mean, it said three wide, far turn winnily. Watched the tape go around the first turn. This horse was floated about three to four wide by a horse that was very rank inside of him. And so what happened was that this horse had to run a three to four wide trip every single step. Albeit it was a fast pace, but the horse lost ground every single step, you know, the whole way around the racetrack and still won't going away in the first start going two turns on the turf. Now today, Lasix comes off, but draws inside, gets, gets Louis Sias back for Danny Gargan. So I think, you know, if the horse can save Grant going to the first turn and can improve upon that 85 buyer speed figure back on September 26, then Dakota Gold has a shot to really, you know, spring just a minor upset. So I think, you know, of the, the local horses based in North America, number three, Dakota Gold is the one I prefer the most. And I do like Dakota Gold, uh, and he will definitely be on my tickets. And you mentioned why, so I don't have to. The one thing about Tismom, you are absolutely right, I think, about that bourbon race, the, the Great Two at Keeneland on October 10th. That race favored closers. But I thought Tismom was kind of close uh, early. Like he was, it says he was three lengths off, but I think he was more like a length and a half, two lengths off at most. So I thought he was fairly close and a little wide to a slow pace. So I actually upgraded Tismom's last race. I still don't love the horse on, on, uh, on Friday here, but. I think the horse is better than he looks on paper, which I don't know if that's good enough. And he's one I will use if I'm going really deep, like I expect. The other horse I really like, other than the, um, the five slipstream and the eight clown pound, my other horse would be the 14 Dubawi or Dubai legend. I don't know how to pronounce it. But two back, you said this. When he ran in that race two back um, and he beat uh, clown pound in that race, right? Was that the same race? Am I messing up? No, August 18th. Oh, no, yeah, it was, it was the Dewhurst. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, well let me go back to raise. I, I just, uh, I had a little mix up there. Um, August 18th at York, 
this horse um, was up on a slow pace, and I downgraded the effort because he stalked a 25-to-1 shot that race, two back uh, at York. And that horse uh, up front was 25-to-1, wired the field, and this horse just sat behind him and you know actually faded uh, a little bit. So I downgraded that effort. But then last race, uh, when he ran at Newmarket, um, I thought he ran pretty well. Um, I thought the pace was pretty decent, and if anything, it favored closers, and he was up close on that pace. And I just thought he improved a lot. When I downgraded his 83 time form from two back, he had a big time form number 103 last time. And I actually upgraded a little bit. So Dubai legend. Now, I, I like Longtown more than him in that race. They ran against each other. But I think that um, um, Dubai legend can improve one more step. And, and he wasn't that far behind in my head, uh, Longtown. So I thought both of them were upgrades in that race. So I'm on the 14 also, Dubai legend. And there's a chance I just go to 3D, 5, 8, 14. But I'm most likely going to throw in Dakota Gold. Uh, I'm actually going to throw in probably McKinnon just because he had some, even though he had a perfect trip uh, saving ground, he did clip heels, lost a lot of momentum. And I just thought he improved last race. So you make good points against him. And it's not like I love the horse at all, but there's a good chance he's, uh, he's on my ticket. And after Juan Hernandez uh, won three races uh, out of six for me, I got I to gotta give him some love here, right? And then uh, I'll probably use Albar uh, despite what I said about him. Because again, I, the horse ran well. I just think, and I upgraded the performance. I just don't know what he beat. Uh, but like I said, I'm mostly 5, 8, 14. Uh, Chris is mostly 1, 2, but mentioned a few others. Is there anything I missed here, Chris, or anything you want to talk about before we no, wrap up? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much when it comes to my single on the card, it's, we're going to be competing against singles because I'm going to be singing in Cairo Memories. You're going to be singling your Philly in the, in the eighth race. So the eighth race is kind of like a uh, make or break race for both of us. <coughs> Absolutely. And I'm, I'm very, uh, very happy to be singling that horse. So we'll see. Uh, all I know is I hope one of us is right. Hopefully me, but one of us is right. That'll be uh, what I want. I don't want both those horses to run poorly or get beat. I'm just, you know, I can see Miz and Sen like getting caught four or five wide on both turns. It's going to be a dawdling pace. And then she comes flying late and misses by like a head and she's like 10 lengths the best, but I can lose. That's the only thing I'm not looking forward to, but <laughs> I'm very excited for her. So as you can tell by me talking about her for 20 minutes earlier, all right. So um, I don't know if, I mean, I'm, I wasn't going to like put out a ticket per se that I was going to play because it's hard this far in advance. I, I hate yeah. doing that. I don't want to rope myself into something and, and I often, you know, change slightly, but my main points are, you can hear, but again, just to kind of give you an idea, race six, I'm, I'm definitely going deep here uh, and, and pretty deep. I'm going to be using a lot of horses race seven. I'm going short with hidden connection and Juju's map. And that's probably it. So I'm probably like seven or eight by two in the pick five in the next race. Singling race eight, Mizzen Sand. So that's, you know, let's say seven by two by one. I'm probably going to go four deep in the next race. Uh, and that's race nine, uh, Jack Christopher and Command Performance. I know when you're using like a, a favorite, it might not be the best idea to go deep in a race when you use a favorite. But when you're singling a price and you have a lot of prices mixed in, you have big fields, I I'm not that worried about that. So uh, I'm Jack Christopher and, and the 10. I'm probably going to throw in, I said, Oviat class and pop a cap. So I'm probably four deep there. So I'm like something like seven by two, by one, by four. And then I got to decide how much money I want to spend on the sequence. Uh, maybe three deep in the last, but most likely I'm going to go six, seven deep there as well if it's not too crazy a price. And again, I don't mind spending a little more on this because as long as it pays, like if I'm going to get 20 to one or 30 to one on my investment, I don't mind spending 150, $200 on a pick five here, typically on a 50 cent. Typically I'm never doing that, but in a breeder's cup where I really like something, I'm okay with it. You said pick your spots and 
this is definitely going to be a spot I'm picking. Uh, maybe I should go in more on the pick four, which you said you like, because I am deep in that first leg. So it might make more sense to just bet the pick four where I don't have to spread nearly as much because I can go two by one by you know, four by whatever, and it's very cheap. So that's another thought I could have to just wait on the pick five and go in the pick four. That's something I have to think about. And the last thought is I could go short in race six. I said I could go four deep, which is not too deep in that race, uh, and save money that way instead of going seven or eight deep in the first leg of a pick five when you can just bet the pick four. So, and the takeout on the pick five is pretty high, so it doesn't really matter at that point if I bet the pick four instead. All right, I rambled a lot. Chris, any any final thoughts here? Yep, so the one thing I could just say is that, you know, for me, I'm just going to focus on, you know, doubles, pick threes, you know, centering around um, chiral memories. So that's where I'm going to be focusing around. But <clears throat> let's not forget, sat- there is rate, there is the Beers Cup Saturday program. So please, <laughs> don't waste all your money on Friday. And hopefully Chris will be alive by the Breeders' Cup program Saturday. <laughs> We're a little worried about him. I'm uh, going to call the California State Troopers to come and uh, pick him up and take him to the hospital. Hopefully you're okay, Chris. Oh, yeah, you I'm seem, fine. You seem to be okay. Just a little coughing there, but... All right. So I think that pretty much wraps it up. We went a little over an hour, I think about an hour and what, 10 minutes, maybe I thought we can cut it under an hour, but that's okay. I rambled a lot at the end. Hopefully you stuck with us. Hopefully uh, you picked up some tips. I know there's so much information out there. Don't, don't let us or anyone persuade you too much. Just you know, food to think about. And, and it's more about how we handicap the race. I always say that every week. I'll still remember um, I was during the Derby. Um, I was using Medina Spirit, and I know you love Medina Spirit, and I'm hoping you hate her tomorrow, but uh, him tomorrow, but we'll talk about that tomorrow. Uh, I let someone on a podcast talk me off Mandaloon. Um, in January and February, I was all about Medina Spirit and Mandaloon. Those are my two horses that came in one, two. And granted, I was a little worried about Mandaloon because he had that really bad race, and I was like, I don't know, but yeah, 20 to one, I'll, I'll throw him in my bets. And I let, uh, I don't know if I should mention the name, someone who does uh, workout reports who has a podcast was saying how, yeah, people are saying the horse is working well. They're all wrong, and he's working terribly, and he's no good. And I'm like, all right, I'll just leave him out. I'm always looking to leave out horses anyway if I can to shorten tickets. And I did well, largely thanks to you, because you convinced me Medina Spirit was a good bet. Hit that pick four a couple times. We've paid a few thousand. But I missed the vertical bets because I left out um, that horse because I got talked off of him from some podcast, and it probably cost me about five or ten grand uh, based on triples and things I would have had. So that was a little frustrating. So don't let us talk you on or off of any horses. But if you know you don't have an opinion, you don't have time to look, or just to hear how we handicap, I think that might help. So thank you all for listening, Chris. I know you're going to be back with us again tomorrow as we do our Monster Pod. GQ joins us. We'll do Saturday races. We're going to somehow have to keep that under like an hour and a half, two hours. I don't know how we're going to do it with three people and double the races, but. We'll figure it out. I'll talk a little less. Good luck this Friday, everyone. Hopefully you check out our Breeders' Cup Saturday special as well. Enjoy the races, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. So long.